0: Great to see you guys today. Hey, is there a season of your life you wish you could return to? Slow it down, live it well, live it better. Is there a period of your life? Could be your teenage years, your college years, first married, when your kids were little. You didn't have you know enough wisdom to appreciate where you were, and more than likely you wished it away. If oh, I could just get through this season, I could just get to the next season things will be so much better, but now you wish you could go back and relive that season with all the wisdom you have today, with all the knowledge you've packed into your current life, and you'd slow that season down, and you would delight in every moment. If so, which season would you choose? For me, one season was when My three children, Evan, Ashton, and Cameron, were around four or five years old. And I loved playing and talking with them and watching them explore life. I loved eating with them every evening. I loved reading stories and playing goofy games. I loved tucking them in at night, knowing that they were all sleeping in the same house. Every minute was joy, didn't feel like it then, In fact, if you had a camera and could go back and look at that time in my life, you know, it was frustrating, and I wanted things to hurry along, and I didn't know how I was going to get everything done. But looking back after 20-some years, it's like, no, it was pure joy. What about you? To which season of your life would you return, slow it down, live it over with fresh eyes and a warmer heart? What do you miss most about that season? If you could go back to that season and you could tell yourself to better appreciate something, what would it be? What would you say? Be specific, be detailed. When you have some time, I'd like for you to write it down. This is where I would go. This is what I would say to myself. This is why I would slow it down. If I could, I I would sit with the younger Scott and enjoy a cup of coffee with him and I would say something like this, Scott, slow down. Everything is not critical, everything is important. This coming Sunday, you are assigned to write a sermon, not the sermon. Look around, see your kids, Lana, your home. This is living, this is where it's at. It's not over there, it's not next year, it's not when this occurs, it's in front of you, in the face of your children, in Lana's smile, Listen, I know the days are long, but the years are short. Enjoy them. Unfortunately, I can't go back to younger, unwise Scott as much as I wish I could, as much as I wish I could pour into him what I know now. I can't return to those days or events, and neither can you. Our past is lived. You know, one challenging reality about time is that it moves only in one direction, forward. Maybe there'll be a day in the distant future we'll discover how to go backwards in time, but right now, the only way we know to move is to move forward with time. So since we can't return to the past, the wisest thing we can do is carry what we've learned from our past into our future and apply it. And that's what I'm doing today. That's what I'm going to do over the next few weeks. I'm going to gather some wisdom from my past seasons, and I'm going to give them to you so you can live your current season to the best of your ability and prepare yourself for the next season. Now, here are three golden facts about seasons as we get started today. I just want to give these to you. First of all, every season is temporary. It doesn't last. Whether you enjoy it or hate it, it's only here for a while. It will fade. Number two, every season returns. What you are experiencing now, you will experience again. The details will be different, but you will experience this current season again. Hopefully next time, much better, and you'll enjoy it more richly. And three, every season has a purpose. There is a reason for winter, summer, fall, spring. Do you know the purpose for your current season and what you should do during it. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says to the crowds who were listening to him, when you see a cloud forming in the west, you immediately say, it's gonna rain, and indeed it does. And when a south wind blows, you say, a heat wave is coming, and it does. He says, you hypocrites, you you know how to interpret conditions on earth and in the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret the present time. Jesus is saying, you've learned how to recognize weather changes and seasonal changes in the material world, but you still do not know how to recognize seasonal changes in the immaterial world. In other words, you know when it's winter outside, but do you know when it's winter inside? You know when the weather is changing in your yard, but do you know when the weather is changing in your family? You know when the leaves are dying because of the trees, but do you know that your relationships are dying because of the arguments? So one of the keys to wisdom is learning to discern your current season, knowing what season you're in and respond accordingly. And if you do, then you can recognize when your season is changing and you can prepare for the next season and then you can do it all over again. Now, let's quick, take a quick survey. You don't have to lift your hand on this, just a quick survey. Do you have any idea your current season? Now, I'm not talking about age. You gotta realize that when we move through this series, it has nothing to do with age. I don't mean that if you're you know, 20, you're in the spring you know, season, and then when you're in 40, you're in the fall season, or, or whatever, summer season, and 60, you're in the fall, and then you know, winter, you're dead. That's not, that's not at all what I'm talking about here. You might be in a winter season at 25, and then you might be in a summer season at 65. Age does not determine season, at least not the kind of seasons we're talking about. Now, if you don't know, let's think about it together as we set this up, kind of frame this series. Think about the fall of the year, and then we'll kind of parallel this to the fall that might be going on inside us. The fall season, it's a season of dying and decaying. It's a season of bright colors for a while and then becoming gray. It's a season of cooler temperatures. It's a season of harvest. It's a season of storing. The winter season, that's a season of ice, a season of death, a season of using what was stored. It's a season of loneliness. It's a season of hibernation. The spring season, that's a season of newness, a season of dreaming, a season of planting, a season of cleaning. The summer season, that's a season of heat and vacation and activity and performance. Do you know your season? Now, before we get to the first season we're gonna take a look at today, let me set this up for you. Paul the Apostle, one of the great leaders of early Christianity, gives incredible insight into how we are to make the most of whatever season we find ourselves in, the now. There's from Galatians 6, 4 through 10 from the message Paraphrase. He says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. Let me ask you, who are you and what is the work that is in front of you during whatever season you're in? because every season has a purpose and there's work in front of you to do during this season. So not only must you understand your season, you must know what the work is in front of you during this season. So you gotta take somewhat of an inventory. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Take an inventory of your life, recognize where you are, recognize the work that is in front of you. Here's a rundown of where I am, who I am, and what the work is in front of me. I am Scott Neal, I follow Jesus. Lana is my wife, Evan and Emily, Ashlyn and Josh, Cameron and Bryson are my children. Grayson, Elliot, Cash and Caden are my grandsons. I lead a staff team, I lead Forest Park Church. That's a lot of my life right there. What about you? Clearly identify whatever it is, whoever you are, what work is in front of you, where your responsibilities lie, and then sink yourself into it. Give it everything you have. Be a good steward of what is in front of you. Paul gives some great advice. He says, don't be impressed with yourself. And don't compare yourself with others. Don't go down this road. Don't go down the other road. Don't be, hey, look what I have. That's the pride game. But also don't fall on the other side. Look what they have. That's a comparison game. Just accept who you are. Be content with what is in front of you and do the work to the best of your ability because each of you must take, there's a big word, responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So, what is in front of you right now? What is your responsibility? Let me tell you why that's important. See, other people can pastor for Spark Church, and probably do a much better job than me. But only Scott Neal can be the father to my kids. Only I can be Lana's first, and hopefully only husband. Are we doing the best we can in our areas of current responsibility. He wraps this up by saying be very sure now you have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity. Those of you who are mature, those of you who've grown, those of you who have blossomed, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Take your experience, take your knowledge, and share it with other people. Verse seven and eight, don't be misled, no one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Don't think you're an exception to the rule. What we're talking about in this series applies to you. What you plant, you will reap. Know your season. Know what work is in front of you. Get busy. Do the work that's in front of you. Another season's on its way. Make sure you understand the season. Make sure you do the work that is in front of you. Watch your attitude. Because whatever you plant in this season, you will harvest in another season. So here's where I want to camp for the next few minutes. The harvesting season, the fall season, that's what I want to talk to you about today. What is the harvest season? Well, we find ourselves in it literally right now as in October, November, before we move into the winter season. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in here. I'm talking about when you move into a fall season internally. Let me explain what I mean. It's a a season of decay. It's a season of dying. It's a season of preparing. It's a season of storing. And this is where a few of us are. We are in between summer and winter. We are not running full speed ahead in the heat of the warm sun, nor are we lying under the ice and snow dead. But we feel as if we're on our way there. We feel the cooler winds of winter stirring and it's sobering. Let me me bring it down from the abstract and kind of place it right in front of you. If you are in the fall season internally, if emotionally, spiritually, relationally, if you are in the fall season inside of you, this this is when you can't find much new growth anywhere. Not much love, not much faith, Your dreams are waning, dying, decaying. Your relationships are stale. Reading scripture and praying feel useless. Everything seems over. You look back on your family, your friends, your faith, and it feels as if the best days are behind you. You remember how things used to be in the summer. You remember how green everything was in the spring, how colorful and bright and full of life, everything buzzed around you in a different season. Now, not so much. Now, cold is approaching. Now, death is around the corner. Now, every leaf on every tree in your life is fighting to hold on. Is this your season? It may be. That which is strong, or was strong, is now growing weak. That which was alive, is dying. That which is solid or was solid is now decaying. That which was planted is harvested, the good and the bad. So here's what I want to do over the next few minutes. I want to, I want to ask you three huge questions, essential questions, critical questions that you must answer concerning the fall season. And if you are in this period of your life, here are the three things I want you to answer. Work your way through. And if you will answer these questions honestly, they will help you position yourself so you can receive and give the most during this season and prepare yourself for the next season. The first question I wanna ask you during your fall season is what is dying? Folks, Listen to me very carefully. Nothing on this earth, in the material world, within our daily systems, is designed to live or function forever. Nothing. Ecclesiastes 3 says there is a season for everything. Now listen to the writer of this proverb or this, this writing in, in, in Ecclesiastes. Listen to the rest of this passage. Just listen as I read it to you. This is the beginning, there is a season for everything. Listen to the rest of these verses. And there is, there is a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. Now here are some examples the writer gives. A time for giving birth and a time for dying. A time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted a time for killing and a time for healing. A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing. A time for mourning and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating. A time for war and a time for peace. There's a season for everything. What's in front of you will not be there forever. Something will be on its way and then it will pass too. And one of the harshest insights I've been forced to learn over the last three or four years And if you would have asked me five years ago whether this is true, I would have said absolutely, but it is a difference in knowing something and experiencing something. And one of the harshest lessons, harshest insights that I've had to really live through is that nothing is designed to last forever, nothing. Not cars, not computers, not houses, but see, those things are easy. What about pets, what about people, what about relationships. Everything has a time, everything has a place, everything has a season and it's difficult to let go when that time ends. And folks, I'm not talking about death. We've lived long enough to say goodbye to many wonderful people and in some ways letting people go through death is easier than letting some other things go because we expect death but we don't expect a friendship to end or a marriage or a job or maybe a dream, or an experience, or a belief, or a hope. Being forced to let those things go, man, that's dreadful. Because although it didn't come out of nowhere, it feels that way. Although it didn't come out of nowhere, we we didn't know how to discern the seasonal changes. It was changing in front of us. The winds were shifting. The sky was giving us warnings but we did not have the wisdom to know that this relationship, this job, this marriage, this dream, this hope, this business, whatever it is, was coming to an end, was dying. We didn't see it. We didn't notice it. We weren't prepared when it happened and we seemed shocked. But I've learned a little wisdom during my life. And although I can't predict with certainty what is dying and getting ready to fall off the tree of my life, I can pay attention to a few signs, as Jesus said, and if I'm perceptive, I'll notice the changing of the leaves and notice fall in the air. So I have one question for you to ask to help you know when something is dying, when something is decaying, when something is reaching the end of its season. This will help you. This won't answer all your questions, but it will help you. It will get you on the right track. Ask yourself this question and be as honest as you possibly can be, because I'm telling you, it will save you so much pain and so much surprise. Ask yourself this question. Where are you manufacturing energy? So what does that mean? Take a look at the landscape of your life. Where are you drumming up excitement? doing your best to find time, stirring up your attention, trying your best to stay involved, pumping, if you will, you know, priming the pump constantly, always trying to bring excitement to this thing. But if you would stop, it would die. Whatever that thing is, whether it's a career, a hobby, a habit, a belief, a relationship, whatever it is, that thing for you is probably dying and you need to let it go. Now, let me qualify what I'm saying. I don't mean to imply that every time you go through a challenging season at work, you quit. I don't mean to imply when you argue with your husband or wife, it's time to file for divorce. I don't mean when you feel a little melancholy spiritually, you give up on your church or you give up on your faith. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lengthy, deep change in what's going on around you or inside you. And when you're honest, you know things are changing, but you keep manufacturing energy because it's too difficult to let it go. It's time to let it go. And I know this is difficult. And most of the time, it's not the physical letting go that's the hardest. It's the emotional letting go. We want the friendship to work, but it isn't. So what do we do? We keep emailing, and we keep texting, and we keep asking, and we keep inviting, and we keep pumping and pumping and pumping, hopeful that the relationship will continue. But if we would stop all of that, it would die. We want the marriage to thrive, but it's not. We want the dream to become real, but we gotta face the facts. We wanna hold on to this hope, but it's over. Over. Everybody familiar with the, uh, the comb over? This is probably one of the worst I've ever seen. It's when a guy fights to keep his balding head covered with the little hair he has left. The sad thing is, most everybody knows it's over except him. He's holding on to hope. He's fighting the unavoidable. He's balding, everybody knows it. Let the hair go, man. Embrace the bald. I've been there a long time. It's not that bad. The water's fine, the water's fine. Some of us have emotional comb-overs going on. We have relational comb-overs. It'll work, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work. We have dream comb-overs. It's time to let it go. What is it for you? What is dying? Question number two, how are you investing? When I was six or seven years old during the fall of the year, I would come in from playing outside and I'd be hot and tired and sweaty and I was ready for a snack or a drink of water or some Kool-Aid. Anybody remember Kool-Aid? That kept a whole generation going, didn't it? You know. And one of my fondest memories of that time was watching my grandmother, my memo I call her, in the process of canning. Anybody know what canning is? You familiar with that? That's when you take a mason jar, you stuff it full of garden fruits or vegetables or whatever, and you go through a process known as canning, which takes out the air, seals it tight, preserves all the freshness. And then during the colder months, during the winter months, during the icy months, you open up those jars and pour out this fresh food. I remember her watching, watching her can these jars and remember the winter months watching her open the jars and then we would enjoy what she grew in the garden during the summer months. Now the fall was, was not the time to enjoy the canned goods. It was a time to prepare the canned goods for the winter months, for the season that will come later. There'd be a time soon, winter, when you would enjoy what was prepared in the fall. And not only would you enjoy it, other people would enjoy the work of your hands. What are you canning right now? What do you mean, Scott? Well, for some of us, we're in a season of harvest because we've worked for years to plant good things. Some of us here have planted money, we've planted knowledge, we've planted relationships, we've planted a good marriage, we've planted into our spiritual life, We've had great experiences that we've planted for years and recently some of that harvest has been has been returned to you. You've got a new and better job. You've got new and better friends. You've got a marriage that is finally healthy and thriving. You have Recently finished your education. Maybe you've come through a very dark night of the soul and your faith is at a deeper level now than it's ever been. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you're today in this season, the fall season of your life, you are harvesting a good crop. My question is, what are you doing with it? How are you investing that? Imagine my grandmother saying, Wow, look at all these beans I've harvested. Well, I'll eat all I can and our little crew here will eat all they can and then we'll destroy everything else away. We don't need all these beans. Imagine her doing the same thing with corn and tomatoes and cucumbers and apples and peaches. We would say, that's wasteful, that's foolish. And we'd be right. Has it ever occurred to you that your abundance might not be for you? Maybe it was given to you so that it might pass through you to others. In Luke 12, chapter we looked at a moment ago, there's a story of a very prosperous farmer. He collects all his grain and he puts it into these barns. And uh, he has more grain and he doesn't have enough room. So he says to himself, what shall I do with all of my harvest? I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns and put all my harvest into the bigger barns. Then I'll sit back and basically say, wow, life is good to me. The end of the story says that after he did all of that, that very night when he was finished, his soul was required of him and he lost everything. Now the story is not saying that if you don't give your grain you know, to other people that God will somehow take it away from you. It's not really a parable or a story of judgment. It's, the story is telling us that our stuff could be lost at any moment. How much better is it to invest in helping other people than putting it all in one spot, thinking that everything's always going to remain as is, things never remain as is. Our bank account, and it's not always going to remain that way. Putting it all into one location, not very wise. Diversify, spread it around, give it out, help other people use the harvest, or you risk losing it all. The third question, last question I'm going to give you today. So, what are you gathering? What are you gathering? You know, I, I don't know what it is about the fall of the year, but every single fall, it always causes me to reflect on the past year, even more so than the first of the year. I don't know why. I just cycle that I'm in or something. I don't know. But every time I get into October, November, I just kind of reflect back on the year and I think, you know, what if. What have I learned, where where, where do I wanna go next time, where did I mess up, where did I succeed? It's just a very reflective time for me. I think it might be because of the changing of leaves and the weather and getting out sweaters and warmer clothes, and I don't know, it just makes me reflect on the summer and all the things that I accomplished or didn't accomplish. And one thing I always do is I think through what I've learned, the wisdom that I've collected. What about you? The fall season, you might be 25 and going through a fall season right now. What did you learn in your teenage years that you can apply now? Maybe you're in your 30s. What did you learn in your 20s that you could apply? It's not about age. It's about where you are in life at this particular time. Your failures, your successes, your absolutes. You know what absolutes are? Hard line boundaries. These are my absolutes, my I can't do withouts. What are they? List them. Be honest. How are you different? How are you better? How are you wiser than you were this time a few years ago? How about how, are, how, much, how, how different are you? Where are you wiser? Where are you more experienced than you were this time last year? How are you different after the pandemic than you were when you went into the pandemic and all the closures and everything? What's one lesson you've learned? that will just get you started. One lesson you've learned. Proverbs one says, wisdom shouts in the streets. Now listen to the rest of this proverb. Wisdom shouts in the street. In the public square, she raises her voice. Above the noisy crowd, she calls out. At the entrances of the city gate, she has her say. Here's what wisdom says. Quote, how long will you be clueless, people? Mockers? Fools? You should respond when I correct you. Look, I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll reveal my words to you. I invited you, but you rejected me. I stretched out my hand to you. You paid no attention. You ignored all my advice, and you didn't want me to correct you. Wow. This tells us wisdom is constantly available, and to the discerning, to those paying attention, they will grow. Wisdom is screaming at us all the time. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? Are we listening to the voice as it rises in the streets all the time and we're hearing it and listening to it and allowing it to change how we live, how we think? And here's here's the sad part of this passage. There comes a time when wisdom has screamed at us, offered herself to us over and over again, and we ignored her. We kept doing the things we wanted to do. There comes a time When we regret, we didn't listen, our life falls apart, we're trapped in stupid things, and when we call out for wisdom's help, it's too late because there is nothing wisdom can do now to go back and correct everything that messed up. Are you listening? Can I give you a few pieces of wisdom that I've collected over the last little while. These were just little nuggets that I wrote down. I sat in my office, I said, you know what? What are are a few things that I've learned? And trust me, folks, I, I could give you more than this, not because I'm smarter, but just because I've kind of been down the road a little farther than you. And also, let me tell you this, those who learn a lot of wisdom are often those who mess up the most. So never assume that someone who has a lot of wisdom just started off that way. A lot of times people have a lot of wisdom is because they also had a lot of failures. They also fell flat on their face over and over and over again. So here's, here's kind of a few little wisdom axioms, if you will. This is me. This is, this is not necessarily you. These might not be any lessons that you've learned, but it's little ones that I've learned that I've had to process. Wisdom axiom number one. It's not always the people standing closest to you who are your friends, but the people left standing when everyone else walks away. That's a hard lesson to learn right there. Because when everything is going well, and you look around and you see the people close to you, oh, these are all my friends. What you learn is sometimes the friends are the ones when everything fails around you and you bottom out, the two or three who are still there, now they're some friends. It's the people who, when Jesus looked around to his disciples when he made a harsh statement and it says that some of them turned and walked with him no more. And then he looks at the people around and says, do you guys want to go too? And Peter says, well, where else are we going to go? We're committed. That's a friend. A friend is a person who's with you when you don't necessarily act friendly. A friend is someone who's with you when you fall on your face and they help you get back up again. A friend is someone who stands in your corner not because your corner is right but because you're in it and they stand with you as a friend. It takes a long time to learn the quality of friends. It takes a long time to really define what a friend is and be a friend and find them. For me, wisdom axiom number two, Resting in who you are is infinitely more freeing than working to keep up with who people think you are. Amen. I'll tell you what, folks. Sometimes when we're young, we create an image that we then spend years trying to manage. Because we gotta have people think we are the person that we've propped up. We gotta have people think we are the person that they think we are. There is something about finally just saying, you know what, I am who I am I will do everything I can to be honest and and good and true, but you know what, I've got flaws, I've got mess ups, and that image you have is not necessarily the truth about me. It is something freeing when you finally say, you know what, just being who I am is so freeing than to work and work and work and work and work and try to manage an image that people think I am. The older you get in life, if you're wise, the less you seem to care about what everybody else thinks. You are who you are, there's freedom in that. The third wisdom axiom that I have, that I wrote down, this is kind of giving you examples of what I'd like for you to do and you work through, is if the most important things in your life can't be counted on one hand, then you're unsure about what is most important in your life. Folks, if you look around your life and you say, well that's 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 important and 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 that's important, guess what? Nothing's important. If you take a highlighter and you start reading a book and you highlight everything that's important and then you end up with highlighting everything, guess what? Nothing in the book you highlighted. If everything is critical, nothing's critical. If everything's important, nothing's important. Find the important things in life and give yourself to them. Find the few and pour yourself into it. So many of us spend so much of our life worried about what people think of us. And the greatest, one of the greatest lessons that you will ever learn, and listen to me carefully, is that people aren't thinking of you. That's a harsh reality. But they're not. Well, I wonder what they think of me. They probably don't. They probably don't. Let it go. Find the few and pour into them. Find the few and be the best friend you can be. Find the few and give your all to it. If that's where you are in the season, ask yourself, what is dying? What do I need to let go? How are you investing? What needs to pass through you to others? And what are you gathering? What wisdom are you collecting? Don't waste a pain. Don't waste a disappointment. Learn from all of it. Let's pray. Father, we bring our season to you. There are some people gathered here, they're in the fall season of their life. Spring will come back, summer will come back, winter will come, but for right now, they're in the fall season. There are some things dying, there are some things decaying, and it's hard for them to let it go, but they gotta let it go. And if they let it go, it will provide room for new things, but they gotta let it go. There's others gathered in this room and they haven't invested what they have. They're hoarding it and keeping it and holding on to it, scared to let it go. Father, teach us that we always get back more than we plant. We plant one cup of grain, we get back bushels of grain. We get back more than we've ever given. Teach us how to invest. And Father, teach us to gather, gather, gather. Gather wisdom, gather knowledge and allow it to change us, allow it to teach us. One of the hearts behind this church is that we become whole, whole. Mentally healthy, physically healthy, financially healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, a whole person. Teach us these seasons, help us recognize them when we're in them and what to do during them so we're ready for the next one and we become better and better and better stewards of what you've given us. Thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy, your kindness, your compassion. And thank you for the season we're in because every single one of them have a purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys give it up for Pastor Scott as he leaves. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. A couple of announcements really quick before I let you go enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, number one, uh, don't forget if you're 6th through 12th grader you have one, next tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. here at Forest Park. Really excited to be together again tonight, so it's gonna be great. And then secondly, if you're a first time guest here and you see one of these in the seat back in front of you, we encourage you to take it. There's one, two, three, four, five questions on here. Fill it out and if you can drop it by our new here area on your way out. We have a first time guest gift for you just to say thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, Pastor Scott and the team will be over there to answer them. We're so excited you're here. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope you have a great Sunday.